Well, as many of you know, uh, I have three little kids, uh, Ella, Zeke, and Renzi, seven, five, and three. And so uh, right now during the Advent, during the Christmas season, we're trying to teach them about the Incarnation, uh, God sending his son to the earth, right? And so a couple nights ago, I uh, asked Ella, so what is Christmas all about, Ella? And uh, here's, here's what she says. She says, Dad, Christmas is about Jesus. Dad, Christmas is not about all these gifts that are given to us. Dad, but Christmas is about uh, thanking God for his gift to us, his son. All right. Hey, I'm getting something right, okay? My kids are probably hanging from the rafters right now in the back, and they're messing around. But hey, as a parent, I will take one victory, and I will live in that victory right there. Now, here's the deal. Even Maybe they're getting the message a little bit, but let's be honest. When Christmas morning comes and they go running and screaming down the stairs with glee, they're probably not thinking about salvation. They are... Uh, probably looking for that box that is bigger than their body. For the box that it takes two trees worth of wrapping paper to cover up, right? It's that same box that you and I looked for as little kids because the bigger the better. But here's what I found. Here's what I learned after a couple years of uh, getting gifts. And, and that's this idea that sometimes it's, it's most exciting, that gift that goes unnoticed or unseen, that was set aside. And you open up your big gift, and then you go through a couple of gifts, and then there's nothing left. And you think you're all done, and you start searching around, you start hunting, and then out of nowhere, this gift appears. And you pick it up, and, and it's often those gifts that you have to, to work and to search out that bring the most joy. Now, uh, when we would find that gift, it wouldn't just have one name on it. It would have all of our kids' names. And then we would open it up. And my parents loved uh, scavenger hunts. Any parents out there, any, any families did this. And so we would open it up and there would be a, a paper inside and it would say something like this. Now, you need to go look in the pocket of the trench coat on the old baby crib in the garage. Okay, and then you go out to the garage and then it'd send you somewhere else and then somewhere else. And finally, you would arrive at the destination of the gift. And it was the greatest gift in the history of the world for a young boy who grew up in Chicago in Michael Jordan's heyday. <laughs> NBA playoff tickets to the Chicago Bulls on Christmas Day. Come on, somebody. And the glory cloud descended upon our house. And the Shekinah. The Shekinah glory of the Lord was with us. And I can still access those feelings today. And it's hard for us to relate because, you know, y'all got the Redskins and the Wizards. <laughs> I'm sorry. Forgive me. Hey, you got a win last night. It was a real important win. Your fourth win of the year. But, uh, but if you can imagine as a kid, if you got Redskins tickets and like the Redskins won six out of eight championships and had the greatest player of all time in their team. Like, like, that's how you would feel in that moment. <laughs> you just bring up Jay Cutler to me after, after a service if you need to, all right? And so we, here's what I learned in Christmas season, that, that the biggest gifts aren't always the best gifts. The best gifts are the gifts you got to hunt for, the gifts you got to search out and find. Here's what the scripture says. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had 
and bought that field. The story of Christmas is the story of a hidden treasure. Literally, it's, it's two stories of two sets of people uh, hearing about a treasure, searching out a Messiah. That's what their Christmas season was. We see one of those stories told in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. I'm going to read it. and You can look on the screen if you want to follow along with me. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angel left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Christmas was a treasure hunt. And the shepherds were given this cool gift from the angels. And they opened the gift up, and inside there's a piece of paper that says, okay, look in the trench coat, uh, the pocket of the trench coat, in the old manger in the garage in Bethlehem. Right? And so they go out treasure hunting. And they go looking and they go searching. And it was a journey. It was hard. And, but here's the thing. A lot of times the best gifts in life take some work to get to, don't they? One of the best gifts in my life is my wife. Nina is the frosting to my flakes. She is the captain to my crunch. She's the filet to my mignon. She is the miracle to my theater. She's my girl right there. I thank God more for Nina than anybody else in my life. She makes me better. She didn't just show up at my door, though. No, she chased me until I caught her. <laughs> we sought each other out, and we journeyed, and we worked to get there. And then even after you get married, it doesn't mean that journey stops. You keep going on a journey. You keep seeking the other person out. That's a part of your calling in marriage. You keep trying to find those hidden gems. And still, 10 years after being married, I still find things out about her that I didn't know that are gems to me. When you stop seeking out hidden treasure in your spouse, you'll start looking for hidden pleasure in somebody else's house. That's how it works. Even after you get married, you've got to keep pursuing, keep journeying, keep looking for those little things, those hidden gems in your marriage. Marriage is like Christmas. You think, okay, I've heard this story. I've met Christ or I've heard of Christ. I already got this down. No. Even after you pass that threshold of faith in Christ, it doesn't mean your journey is over. No, you're still on a treasure hunt because there is, there is more to know about the character of God. Every single Christmas, I get a new revelation in the Holy Spirit of who Christ is. There is constant new dimensions being revealed in our hearts. 
we keep pursuing him and he keeps giving us treasures in our hearts when we pursue Christ. That, that, there's no more, no more is, is Christmas just at face value where you get that message and that meaning right away. No, you've got to move through, you've got to push through the gifts and through the journey. And, and, you know, even if you don't live, you know, stay in a stable, like your aunt's couch is maybe worse than a stable, right? But you keep pushing through that. You eat your way through fruitcake. You work through all your family's issues. And you work through all this stuff. But if you're able to do that, there's a message to be heard. There's a message to be received. There's a hidden gift that when you search out, it changes everything else that you are a part of. First two years in playing college ball uh, were a little rough at times. And uh, man, I had a coach that rode me like a kid on a carousel. He had my number. He could push my buttons. And uh, he could drive me crazy sometimes. And to the point where, man, I got to that offseason, I'm thinking, man, I don't know if I want to play anymore. Thinking about quitting. And in the process of thinking about quitting and taking that time to to just think through and really process through, I I came to the opposite conclusion, and that was this, that, you know what? His method, I don't think his method is to tear me down, to hold me down. I think his method is to tear me down, to build me back up. When I could understand that, that he wanted the best out of me, it changed my relationship with him, my perspective on the team, and it changed the way I play ball for the better. Now, his method didn't change, the team didn't change, but one small idea in my mind, one small treasure that I could grasp changed everything around me. And I'm afraid that some of us never get to the true treasure because we fail to take the journey. We quit before we ever get to the manger. And we might receive a revelation from God or a prompting in our spirit or a moment in worship, and we get that, but then we don't go out on the journey to seek after the treasure in Christ. Or we start on that journey, but we don't finish it. But can you imagine the shepherds, if they would have heard from the angels, been given that gift, and then they start on their journey. They get to Bethlehem, and they can't find Jesus, so they just give up. This is too hard. Eh, it's not working. And they just leave. No, the scriptures are clear on this issue. Jeremiah 29, uh, 29, 13. If you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. Not if you seek me, I will reveal everything right away. No, if you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. Philippians 1, 6. I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to what? To complete it, to finish it until the day of Christ Jesus. Look at the shepherd's counterparts over in Matthew chapter 2. It's the wise men. The wise men go out looking for a king. And what do they find? They find a king. His name is King Herod. He is the king of the Jews. He's the BMOC. He's the man. He's the big package. They find him. Here's what's crazy, though. They keep searching. Like, that doesn't make sense. You are looking. You got a king. Like, I don't understand. You're looking for a king. You found a king. But he wasn't the king. The size of the box doesn't make the gift any more than the, than the title in front of a name makes a man. In other words, the, the biggest gifts are not the best gifts. The best gifts are the gifts you got to search out, you got to hunt for, you got to go after and search out. And so they continue to search in Bethlehem. And we find them in verse 10 of chapter 2 of Matthew. It says this, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. 
They were overjoyed on coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. The wise men could have been happy with finding a king, but they weren't looking for momentary happiness. They were looking for, for heart filling, for soul drenching joy in their spirits. And I can testify to this, that when you find Christ, joy wells up within your soul and it comes out of you. That's the joy of the Lord. Toggle back over to Luke chapter 2, verse 10. But the angel said to them, the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. For all people. The word gospel literally means good news. What is the gospel? Some would say it's an idea. Some would say it's a philosophy. Some would say it's a way of being. Some would say it's a way of living. But the gospel is a person. John 1, the word was made flesh. The gospel is a person, and that person is Jesus. And when you encounter Jesus, there's a reaction within your soul. And happiness is not the right word to describe it. Nope. Because happiness is, is short-term contentment. Happiness is momentary. Happiness comes from the outside. Joy comes from the inside. Happiness comes because of your circumstances. Joy becomes, it, it comes in spite of your circumstances. Joy comes from the Greek word, the root word chara, which means to be exceedingly glad. There's a difference between saying, I'm happy, happy to see you today. I am exceedingly glad to see you today. Go ahead and turn to your neighbor. Say, I'm exceedingly glad to see you today. Come on, go ahead. Get awkward for a minute. <clears throat> All right, was that awkward enough for you? James 1, 2, it says this, Consider it all joy, my brothers. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. Talk about a horrible verse to preach on, right? <laughs> hey, welcome to NCC. You're going to have a horrible week, but find joy in it. Right? How do you preach this one? But that, it's counterculture to our understanding because the gospel is counterculture to our understanding. It's different. It's a change. How can you say this? I can under, maybe we can endure through our trials, but to find joy in the midst of trials? Here's what it says. James 1, 2. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. Verse 3. Knowing that the testing of our faith produces endurance and let... Endurance have its perfect result that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. It's that light bulb moment that I had with my coach. That deep, persistent, abiding joy only comes by pushing through, by not quitting, by not giving up, but by journeying and seeking out the treasure that is in Christ. Instead of hoping and praying that God will change your circumstances, Seek and serve and, and seek out Christ in the midst of your circumstances. We see uh, the angels show up and the shepherds are in the middle of a field. And they're in this field with animals, animal food and animal feces. And the angels show up and they declare good news of great joy over them and over all people. They didn't look at their circumstances. No, they declared what is in Christ Jesus. 
Listen, whatever you're going into, I don't know your Christmas season. I don't know your Christmas situation, what you're stepping into. But one, uh, one piece of my heart in this message is this. Whatever you're stepping into, I want to declare God's good news over your life. I want to declare his joy over your heart and over your mind in Christ Jesus. There, there might be a declaration of his goodness within your soul today. Listen, in a hurting world, in a dark world, in a consumeristic world, we need some people to stand up and to declare joy. We need, there is a necessary declaration of joy in a world that is chaotic and hurting and confused and healing right now today. We need some people to stand up and declare the joy of the Lord and speak it into existence he desires, here's what the scriptures say, John 15, 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and so that your joy may be complete. John 16, 24, until you have asked nothing in my name, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. First Thessalonians 5, 16, rejoice always. Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace. And joy in the Holy Spirit, John 16, 22. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice. And nobody, no one, no person, no thing can take your joy from you. Kay Warren said this. She said, joy is a settled conviction about God. It's a quiet conviction in God. And it's a determined choice to give our praise to God. So this past week when our grandmother passes away, she goes to be with the Lord. The only reason my sister can say to us, you know what? This day is the best day ever for her. The only reason she can say that is because of the joy of the Lord. It's the reason that some churches have they don't have funerals. They have home goings. Because we live to this different idea, don't we? That, that death begets life. That when we have death, we have life in Jesus. And when we leave this earth, we go to a greater place to be with the Lord. And it doesn't change our situation. It doesn't change our suffering. But, but in the midst of our suffering, he brings us, somehow he brings us joy. And I don't know if I'm qualified to talk about this, but I have experience in it. And I can say this, like, okay, if you live in a faith and, and you're in a place right now where everything's going well and you say, man, my faith is good, so I don't, I don't go through that stuff because I got faith. Listen, he promises us trials. He prom there is suffering that is coming at some point in your life. You will experience it. And when you do, I thought this, you either have suffering or you have joy. You have one or the other. No, I found a lot of times they go hand in hand. In the midst of trial, he can bring joy. In the midst of suffering, he can bring joy to sustain you. In the midst of when things are going wrong and bad, the Lord can come and sustain you with the peace of God. Praise God. He can give you strength when you got no one or nothing else to sustain you. The Advent is about past, present, and future. It's about looking and remembering 
what God has done when he sent his son as a gift for us. It's about understanding in the now who God is making you and how he is setting you free and how he is giving you grace beyond measure. It's about looking forward and understanding there is glory to come in Christ Jesus. When I come into a Christmas season, I can't help but think of a lost loved one. And there are many of us here who can relate with that. You come into the holiday season and, and you immediately think about a grandparent or a father or a mother or a sister or a cousin or a friend or a child. Somebody that, that it, it, you come into the season, it just hurts so much because that's all you can think about. And I can't come into a Christmas without thinking about my father. It happens every year. And, and the loss of his life. But here's what I found in the midst of loss, in the midst of suffering. I found this idea of Advent. And that's, that's this, that's, it's kaleidoscopic. It's, it's what I call the progression of joy. To be able to look back and remember how that life sharpened me and, and how his influence made, and, and the joy that I have. And I thank God for the life that I got to spend time with. And now it's in the right here, right now. God, I thank you for who I have become because of that life that was lived. And I can look forward to what is to come, to meeting him someday again, to coming face to face with him again someday. It's the progression of joy. Colossians 1.27, Christ, the hope of glory. Take your eyes off of all the glitter and the big boxes and the gifts and the grief and the hurt. Take your eyes off of all that stuff and begin to search out Christ. Begin to search out the Father. Begin to search out that hidden treasure that he has for you in this season because he is waiting for you to come to his feet, to bring you strength and to bring you glory, we, are, are de- we have been designed to glorify the Father. Here's what Tozer said. He said this. He said, our problem is that we go from toy to toy instead of from glory to glory. We are called to step into the glory of God and his goodness. In Luke chapter 2, the angels showed up and they declared joy and the coming Messiah. And the shepherds hear this, and then they go on this journey, and they receive Christ. And then what do they do? They go out, and they share that with those in the surrounding areas, right? And so here's essentially what happens. The, the shepherds, they, they get a gift to go get a gift to then give away a gift, right? They go from revelation to receipt to release. But we should all go through this process with Christ, Because he gives us revelation, right? He reveals himself. He gives us that prompting. He gives us that moment. But then we're called the journey to go after him, to seek him out. We receive Christ. And when we receive Christ, we're then called to give what he has given to us. We're called to give that away. That's what the shepherds do. Their response to God's gift was to give his gift away. God always gives gifts so that you can give gifts. Look at the giftings in your life. You might have the gift of administration or leadership or teaching. Whatever gift you have, that's your gift. That is yours. But how do you use your gift? Your gift is used for the edification of the body. It's used to help others, to challenge others, to encourage giftings in others. The greatest gift was Emmanuel, God with us. Not God with me, not God with you, God with us. We experience it together. Just like the very first story I told 
That gift wasn't just written to one of us. It was written to all of us because it was to be experienced together, all of us. In Luke 2.10, it says that I have come to declare good news of great joy for who? For all people. It's given to all of us. And so the shepherd's response is to give the gift of God away to those around us. It's, this is an awesome thing. This is the God-ordained mandate, listen to this, of regifting. Huh? This is good. You can use this. You, know, you go to that work party. That gift shows up every year. Are you kidding me? We got a serial regifter among us. We've all experienced that. We laugh. Uh, uh, one of our cousins talks about their grandma and, and some, some tendencies. And, and uh, she always shows off the gifts that are given by her grandma and, and kind of jokes, but, but they're really nice gifts. And so, oh my goodness, you got that nice sweater from your, that's a great gift. What are you talking about? Well, yeah, that's because I, give, I gave the sweater to her last year. And she wrapped it up and gave it back to her granddaughter. The next year, she'll go on her shelves and just pick things off of her shelves and wrap them up and give them away as gifts. That's her style of regifting. We all got our own styles, right? It was a couple of years ago with Pastor Mark, and he got, maybe for his birthday or something, he got a, a gift card to a restaurant. And instead of just him using it, he invited Nina and I to go with him to use it. He regifted it to us. So he didn't just receive that blessing. We all received that blessing. That's my kind of regifting right there, huh? <laughs> when God gives you a gift, you're not called to just experience yourself. No, you are called then to regift that to whoever is around you. I think it's kind that we buy each other presents. I think it's great that we buy each other gifts at Christmas, and we'll do that. And, but know this, that, that the greatest gifts are not purchased. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John come along, and, and a guy asks them for a gift. And here's what they say, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. Now stand up, arise, and walk and be healed. And they put out their hands, and they pull him up. His ankles become strong, and he's healed and begins to walk. Listen to this. Listen to this. Don't let whatever monetary you gift, whatever monetary gift you buy this year, don't let that stop you from giving away the spiritual blessing that the Lord has designed for you to give away this year. There is somebody in your path that needs an encouraging word this Christmas. There is somebody in your path that needs a gentle touch, that needs a hug, that needs a word of hope. There's somebody in your path that needs some joy to come out of you and spill out into them. Don't miss those opportunities that the Lord has put in front of you. Step into them. Don't let your gifts stop you from sharing your God. Friday night, I ran over to the giant over on H and 3rd Street and um, I had to go out late Friday night and Nina needed a a pack of sugar cookie mix. And so I went over to get it. And, and uh, you know, when you go to D.C. grocery stores, there's this thing called reverse customer service. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and uh, so it sounds like you've, some of you experienced that. And, uh, you know, so you go in a store and, hey, I, I can't seem to find the marshmallows anywhere. I, I, where can I find them? <sighs> aisle 8. Uh, oh, okay. I'm so, you know, I was just on aisle 8. 
and I didn't see him anywhere. I was looking for him, and, and so, you know, I'm just trying to buy something. I think that's what you guys do. You sell products, so I'm trying to buy them, and, and uh, so could you... Fine. And so go over and then look, and they can't find it. It's not on aisle eight. I know. I just told you that, man. I, you know, <laughs> it's reverse customer service. So anyway, I go. I say that to say this. I go over to Giant on Asian Third, and I can't find it anywhere. There's no cookie mix. There's no sugar cookie mix. And so I'm like, all right, got to bite the bullet. I just got to ask this guy. So I go over and ask him, hey, you guys, I, I, it's Christmas time. You're probably out of the sugar cookie mix. I'm sorry for asking, but do you have anything left? You know, this is crazy. You know, we are not out of cookie mix. No, we, we have cookie mix coming in. And, and, and listen, the, the shipment showed up at the door and nobody was there. But Charles was there. Charles was there. Charles was going to get that in. And we got the cookie. And we've been selling a lot of cookie mix. Now we got some more cookie mix. And I love Christmas. And, and we're going to get you set up with, with Christmas cookie mix. Does that sound good? All right, man. Hey, I'm so glad. And we go over. And, we're, and he, pull, he gets the cookie mix, and he's telling me about his Christmas. He's telling me about his job. And I leave, and he, God blesses me. And, and it's just this amazing interaction. I leave, and, and I can't stop thinking about Charles. <laughs> and listen, he had the joy of the Lord in him. He had the joy of the Lord in him. He had to talk, and it affected who he was. And it affected, him, affected how he talked and it affected the mission that he lived and the purpose that he lived with. So when I, li- when I left that place, my night was changed. Why? Because Charles had joy in his heart. And when he had joy in his heart, it didn't just affect him. It affected all those around him. Charles' life declared the joy of the Lord. We need some people to stand up and declare the joy of the Lord this season. I want to ask you to stand up right now. And we're going to close with a word of prayer. And I just want to declare joy over your situation right now and just bless you in that way. So as we bow our heads and close our eyes, if that's you today and you just need a declaration of joy and you just need to receive the treasure of Christ in your heart, I just encourage you right now, just as an act to the Lord, just open up your hands in a receiving posture to God. Whatever situation you're stepping into, just encourage you right now as we pray, if you want to receive this blessing, just open up your hands in a receiving posture. God, I come before you right now, and I pray for my brothers and sisters here today. Lord, I pray your blessing over them. Lord, I pray specifically for those in this Christmas season who think about a lost loved one. God, I ask that you would sustain them. Lord, I ask that you would comfort them. I ask that your arms, the arms of a loving father, your word says that you are a friend that sticks closer to a brother than a brother. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come, paraclete, and comfort those in need. God, and I pray that your peace would rest in their souls right now. Lord, I pray for those who are stepping into situations that are over their head or situations that they can't seem to change. No matter how much they have developed as, as people, they step into situations that, that seem to be time warps 
And uh, Lord, for those challenging situations, I pray right now your full blessing into their hearts. I pray that their circumstances would not control who they are, but that who they are would affect their circumstances, God. So I pray that the joy of the Lord would fill their soul, that it would dominate their heart, that it would fill their mind today, God. And I pray, Lord, for all of us in this place who are in a receiving posture right now, I pray that you would bless us with the full measure of the joy and the peace of God, that it would fill us completely, that it would consume us, and that our hearts, Lord, that our hearts would be completely consumed with the abiding joy of Jesus Christ. And so I declare joy over every one of us who desires to receive it today. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.